number five, Matthew chapter number five, and Mark chapter number four. That's going to be easy, Matthew, Mark, Matthew five, Mark four. Uh, let me say this about last week's message. Thank you. I've gotten so many, so much feedback, positive feedback on last week's message. It was a pastoral message about worry and, th- and, and anxiety and things like that. Thank you. I'll be preaching another pastoral message today. And, uh, but now I reserve the right, even though I'm preaching pastoral messages, I reserve the right to turn back into a hellfire brimstone preacher next week if the Lord leads me. So enjoy these pastoral messages while you have an opportunity. You're in Matthew chapter 5. Let's read verse number 9 together, then we'll preach the message. Matthew chapter 5. And verse number 9, these are the Beatitudes of Christ, the Sermon on the Mount. He says this, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. That would be, that would take about a five or six weeks series of messages. I don't have time to do that. We'll scratch the surface this morning. Let's pray. Father, as we gather into your house, I pray you'd bless us with your presence. Lord, I have already been encouraged by the singing I've already been blessed by hearing the songs and the special song. Lord, it's just been a blessing to my heart to be here and to fellowship with your people, to see smiling faces, to be encouraged in your word. And Father, I pray now that you'd get me out of the way and just let Jesus preach this message. I pray that you'd speak to our hearts and feed us from your precious word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. This verse is an excerpt from the Sermon on the Mount. There are actually nine Beatitudes here. They're called the Beatitudes. Warren Wiersbe separated that out and called it the Beatitudes. These are some attitudes that we as Christians should adopt. And Jesus gives us seven or nine blessings here. And this, this verse, blessed are the peacemakers, that verse is the seventh of the nine blessings. Can I tell you something? The word blessed means to be happy. I meet a lot of people in my ministry and in my life that just aren't happy. They're not blessed. They're not happy. And they don't want anybody else to be happy. They are joy killers, and if you get around them long, they're going to criticize and belittle, and they're going to take people down, and they're certainly not peacemakers. They're troublemakers. Amen. Jesus didn't say blessed or happy are the troublemakers. He said blessed and happy are the peacemakers. Praise God. (laughs) Peace, number one, comes by knowing the Savior. You can never have true peace in your heart until you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Amen. Jesus is using these blesseds here like nails in a house. And he's driving these nine nails. You know, when I, when Lisa and I built our house, sometimes I, I think crazy thoughts, I guess. And sometimes I would, I would be so tired, I'd worked all day and I'd come home to work on the house and I'd drive a nail in a two before and attach it to the frame and I'd think, oh boy, that nail's gonna be there for a while. I don't have to drive that nail again. I don't have to repeat that process. And one day I'll be able, and I'd put up a, a two before and I'd think, oh boy, that two before is gonna be there. I don't have to redo that. And every step was just a construction process in building our house. And we've been living in that house 30 years now. I'm glad I haven't driven any more nails in those same places. 
And what Jesus is doing here with the blessed, he's driving some eternal nails. The nails that I drove in our house are temporary, but Jesus is driving some eternal nails. Let's look at what he did as a carpenter in, let's read, let's begin reading all the blessed in verse number two. And he spake, the Bible says, Uh, his mouth and taught them saying, verse number three, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. We'll stop reading here. Blessed again are the peacemakers for they shall be called the children of God. They shall be called, notice that, the children of God. Now listen, you don't and I don't become a child of God because we obey the Beatitudes. Somebody say amen. We don't become a child of God just because we're a peacemaker or just because we mourn at times. Listen, what makes us a child of God is repentance of sins and faith in Jesus Christ. That is it in a nutshell. But listen, as we live our Christian life, we're going to need instructions on how to live our Christian life. And so these are instructions on how to be happy. If I gave you a list of instructions on how to be happy, how you could find happiness, it wouldn't be how to make money. It wouldn't be how to be healthy. It wouldn't be how to lose weight. I could give you these nine blessings and you could be happy if you practice them as a Christian. Praise God. So Jesus is not telling us how to get to heaven. He didn't say you'll be a child of God if you're a peacemaker. He said you'll be called a child of God. There's a difference. You see, what he's saying is that society will recognize you as a Christian if you are a peacemaker. I remember working, one of my best friends at the plant was a black man, and he had some contention with another man, and I I just walked away from the contention, and he came back later, and he said, George, he called me George. He said, George, he called me everything but a child of God. (laughs) Well, you know how to be called a child of God? Be a peacemaker. Be a peacemaker. So do this and you'll be happy. Others will see your testimony. Amen. Listen, I've known churches, and I don't mean to be critical, I'm just telling you the truth. I've known churches that thought their testimony surrounded how many gospel tracts they could give out, how many people they could witness to, how many services they could have, and yet that church was a warlike, contentious church. Now, you're not known as a Christian because you give out X amount of gospel tracts. You're known as a Christian because you have peace in your heart and you're a peacemaker in the community. That's what Jesus said. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. I don't want to be a part of a mean-spirited church who just gives out tracts and preaches to everybody. Amen. I'm I'm going to enjoy the peace of God and spread that to other people. So, the only way you can become a child of God is repentance and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Number two, it's peace with the Savior, number one. Number two is peace with self. Some people never have peace with their own self. And if you don't find some peace with yourself, you're never going to spread peace to others. 
Yes, sir. He says, he says here, happy are the, the peacemakers. That is those who can make peace. Those who can create peace. If you don't have peace within, you cannot create peace without. You cannot fulfill this beatitude. Theodore Roosevelt said, if you could kick the person that causes you the most trouble, you wouldn't be able to sit down for a month. <laughs> Amen. Because you have to have peace with, them, with yourself. Some people live their life in constant conflict with themselves. They never have self-peace. They're never self-directed. They, they just don't have that ability. The first way, I've already said it, the first way to have peace with yourself is to have peace with Jesus Christ. When he forgives your sins, when he has mercy on you, by the way, he's known as the Prince of Peace. I'm glad I know this morning the Prince of Peace. Amen. There's no war in my heart. Jesus can take care of your sin. He can take care of your troubles. He can take care of your worries. Praise God, I'll have to take a baby aspirin to go to sleep tonight. He can take care of it. Amen. Listen, if you don't know Jesus Christ, you don't know peace. I see a lot of people in this world, they practice these new age religions and they sit cross-legged with their fingers out like this and they go, oh, you're summoning devils when you do that. Do you know that? Oh, you say, preacher, we do that at yoga. Well, you better quit. Redo some research. Don't trust me. Do your own research and see, hey, I've got peace in Jesus Christ. I don't need some new age guru, some new age religion, some practice of some techniques to give me peace. I tell you, friend, I know the Prince of Peace, and there's peace in my heart. Praise God. You know, the woman at the well tried to find fulfillment in all these men that she dated and all these men that she had. She couldn't find fulfillment there. She couldn't find what her heart desired until she met Jesus. The man in Luke 16, he tried to find fulfillment in his heart with all the things he could have, but he didn't find it. He wound up in hell. I think of Herod who stood. He tried to find fulfillment in all of his authority. I mean, Herod was the leader of the world at that time, but he couldn't find peace. And the girl in Acts chapter number 16, she was a soothsayer, and she tried to find peace in the occult and tarot cards and horoscopes and all these things, but she couldn't find it until the devil went out of her. Thank God. So there's peace in the Savior. I'm going to go quickly. There's peace with self. Then there's peace in society. You know, conflict doesn't really solve anything. Let me say that again. Conflict doesn't really solve anything. Conflict is, and some people love to solve a conflict through force. They want to win the argument. Y'all with me? They want to win the battle. They want to fight the war. And they want to win that conflict through force. I'm going to tell you something. That will never bring peace. It may end the conflict, but it won't bring peace. Let me give you a, a broad example. World War I, we ended World War I with force. We beat the Germans, but just a few years, they came back and started World War II. You know why? We stopped the war, but we didn't bring peace. Conflict, a forceful end to a conflict never brings peace. Let me say that again. 
A forceful end to a conflict never brings peace, either on an individual basis or a broad basis in a nation. So these are the B attitudes, peace in society. Now listen, let me, let me crawfish here a little bit. To be a peacemaker doesn't mean that you walk between two guys in a fist fight. That's pretty stupid. You're going to get your teeth knocked out. Amen. The, to, to be a peacemaker doesn't mean that you have to stop every conflict in society because you can't do it. And a matter of fact, the Bible says he that goes by and messes with a, with a problem that doesn't belong to him, it's like taking a dog by the ears. So some things we have no business in. What Jesus is saying when he says, blessed be the peacemaker, a peacemaker has a persona. A peacemaker has an ability to bring peace to a situation without having to step in between a fist fight. Somebody say amen. Let me, let me develop that just a little bit further. Peace means you have the ability to create peace and de-escalate a situation. You ever see people that just have that ability? You know, the Bible says a soft answer turneth away wrath. A soft answer breaketh the bone. Some people just have this ability to bring peace to a situation. And that's exactly what Jesus is saying here. Peace, a peacemaker's presence will calm. A peacemaker's presence will satisfy. A peacemaker's presence will, will, um, uh, what's the word I'm trying to use here? De-escalate, pacify, solicitude is another word. A peacemaker has the ability to just personify a peaceful situation. Then there's peace in the situation. There's not only peace in the Savior, peace with self, peace in society. There's peace in the situation. Jesus is saying be in the be attitudes. Be that person who resonates peace. Be that person with that personality that just helps others feel it calm and feel at ease. That doesn't stir up trouble in society and stir up trouble among friends. These be attitudes are called the be attitudes because we should exhibit these Christian attitudes and be the children of God. Someone has wisely said this. People will forget about what you said and people will get, forget about what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel. And a peacemaker has the ability to make others feel comfortable around them. Doesn't mean they compromise what they believe. It doesn't mean they lower their standard. It just means they're not looking for trouble. They're looking to de-escalate a situation. They're looking to get along in the situation. It's been said, listen, does your presence, let me ask you this. Does your presence, your persona, does that bring peace to your home? Does that bring peace to your workplace? Or are you one of those kind of people who just polarizes a situation? <laughs> Ask yourself that question. Do I, do I personify what Jesus is saying here? Or are we so uh, polarizing that we take sides and we escalate a situation. We cause drama and it always causes problems to cause drama. You, we all have known that one person on the job and everybody here knows this or at school 
And when they're off sick, everything goes fine. When they're on vacation, everything goes fine. But let them come back to work and it's just drama here and drama there. And the next thing you know, everything's just all messed up and you're going, what happened? Well, you've got a troublemaker is what you've got, not a peacemaker. And the Bible tells us as the children of God to be peacemakers, not to be like that person, but don't let that person stir you up. Let me say that again. Don't let that person stir you up and cause you to become that troublemaker. Amen. Peace in the situation. The Bible talks about this in the last days, that men shall be heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. That word heady means headstrong. Some people are so headstrong, they're going to polarize every situation they get in. Amen. I'm not, again, I'm not talking about compromise. You're looking at a man, <clears throat> I know what I believe about the Word of God, and I'm not going to compromise. I'm not going to lower my standards for anybody. I'm not going to lower my standards to get along with anybody. But I know this, I've already said this statement, conflict settles nothing. I can take a peaceful stand on the word of God without making enemies of everybody and polarizing every situation. And we all know that Christian, that most of the time it's a young Christian who's heard the preaching of the word of God, thank God for it. And they go on a job and think that God has put them in the place of preaching to everybody else. Let me tell you something. Take a stand. People will know who you are and what you are. They'll know what you personify. Amen. Amen. And, and listen, Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. He didn't say blessed are the troublemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers. Let me tell you who a troublemaker is. A troublemaker is a person who spreads information that causes conflict. Now, I'm going to get down where the rubber touches. A troublemaker is a person who spreads information that causes conflict. The Bible says that love covereth all sin. Listen, we as Christians sometimes say, well, I know a lot of Christians who have this attitude, and they spread troublemaking information, and they say, well, bless God, it's the truth. You say, you're preaching on blessed are the peacemakers. Amen. That's what I'm preaching on. But listen, I'm talking about a Christian with an attitude like that. Does that let you be known as a Christian? Peacemaker. Listen, he didn't say, he didn't say blessed are the gossipers. He didn't say blessed are the rumor spreaders. I had, there was a group of people at my workplace. And I honestly, they honestly did this. I overheard their conversations. They would get together and create a rumor, a false, completely false narrative, and spread it just to see where it would go. They would spread it, and then they would step back and watch who carried their rumors to different places. They not only watched where it went, they timed it. And they could start a rumor over on Unit 3, and before they could get back to the shop, that rumor had already beat them back. And it would be absolutely untrue, a complete false narrative. And then they'd get back together. I'm telling you the God's truth. Then they would get back together and compare notes and see who was foolish enough to carry their rumor 
and see who was see which lines that that grapevine went through and see how long it took. They took notes on this. You say, preacher, that's hard to believe. It happened. Blessed are the peacemakers. I'm gonna tell you something. You're looking at an old boy that didn't get involved in that kind of stuff. That's childish. That's listen, that's satanic. The Bible says that a, a whisperer separateth cheap friends. Hey, did you hear about this? The whisperer separates chief friends. He's not a peacemaker. Jesus is instructing us in the ways of peace. Then there's peace and salvation. Amen. The only way you can broaden peace is to know the Prince of Peace. And I can't help but preach Christ here. To know the Prince of Peace, the Bible says in Colossians 1.20, and having made peace through the blood of his cross. Listen, Jesus Christ is the greatest peacemaker that's ever been known. He can take the hand of man who has sinned and his heart has been in enmity with God and Jesus Christ can take his hand and the hand of God and through the blood of his cross, he can reconcile those two together. Listen to the rest of the verse. By him to reconcile all things to himself. By him, I say, whether they've been things in earth or things in heaven. And to you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. I'm glad one day that Jesus Christ took the hands of an old sinner named George Jesse and he reached and took the hands of God and he said, through the blood of my cross, you can have peace with God. You were an enemy with God. You were an alien from the commonwealth of Israel and a stranger to the covenant of promise. But I'm going to take my blood, the blood that I shed, the blood that I shed on Calvary and cleanse you from every sin and give you a right relationship with God. I say praise God. Oh, he's the peacemaker. The prince of peace stepped in one day and identified himself with me and took my sin to the cross of Calvary. And now, guess what? In that work of salvation on the cross, he saved me and gave me an eternal peace. But in that work on the cross, there's also not just salvation, there's reconciliation. Every day, my Savior has to reconcile me with God. You know why? Because I'm still a sinner. I still sin at times. I still have faults that I don't need to have. I still say things and do things and I'm not perfect but this work of reconciliation is still going on and my peacemaker with God stands between me and God and reconciles the situation I say blessed are the peacemakers praise God praise God the work of salvation is finished but the work of reconciliation is not finished I've seen Jesus, I've seen it with my own eyes. I've seen Jesus Christ take a murderer with a heart filled with hate and give him love. I've seen Jesus Christ take drug addicts who only cared for themselves and their next fix and fill their heart with a peace that they didn't need those drugs anymore. He's the peacemaker. I've seen Jesus Christ, Brother Otis, sang this morning by his own testimony was an alcoholic, ruining his home, ruining his family, ruining his life. But Jesus Christ got a hold of his heart and now he stands with a guitar behind a pulpit and sings about the love of God and the love of his mother. Hey, it's a blessing, praise God. I'm glad he's the prince of peace. 
Oh, listen, when my heart was troubled, Christ spoke peace. When my sin troubled me, Christ spoke peace. When my sin separated me from God, Jesus Christ spoke peace. Praise God. I want to close the message here. There's peace in finding the source of trouble. Turn to Mark chapter 4 now. Finding the source of trouble, there's peace in that. Mark chapter 4, I'll give you the verse in just a minute. You should already have your place held there. Gave it to you at the beginning of the service. Peace in the source of the trouble. Christian, look up here at me just a minute. The devil wants you so caught up in the situation that all you can see is the trouble, the conflict, the war, the competition, and you never get your eyes on Jesus. That's where the devil wants you. He wants to rattle you, confuse you, overwhelm you, so you never look When I had you to turn to Mark chapter 4, let me tell you what's going on there for the sake of time. The disciples are rowing on the sea. Jesus is in the boat. And they start rowing, rowing, rowing. And they can't beat that troubled sea. They can't overcome that problem. The winds are boisterous. The waves are up. (laughs) And they're focused on the circumstance. All they can see, they get this tunnel vision. You ever get tunnel vision? I do. You can't see the big picture. You're just, you're just seeing these. All they could see was the sea. All they could see was the waves. All they could see was the wind. I mean, man, these people, these guys were sailors. They knew the problem they faced. And they were so focused on the problem, and finally somebody said, hey, let's go get Jesus. And guess what he did? <laughs> Look at verse number 39. Verse number 39 of Mark chapter 4. I mean the angry sea, the winds, the lightning, the thunder, the experience of the ship bouncing in the water, every sense of their being screamed trouble, every perception they possessed indicated danger, but they get Jesus. And Jesus walks calmly out on that boat. And I want you to take note of this. I didn't see this until I read this for the 900th time this week. And he arose, and watch that word, rebuked. He rebuked what? The wind. But then he did number two. He said unto the sea, did he rebuke the sea? No. He said peace to the sea. You say, preacher, what's that mean? Something very important. Watch this. And he arose, let's read it all together. And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. Number one, he rebuked the wind. Number two, he spoke peace to the sea. He got to the root of the problem. The problem was not the sea. The sea was troubled because of the wind. He got to the root of the problem. And when he got to the root of the problem, the peacemaker rebuked. Now understand something. A rebuke is scorn. 
A rebuke is a reprimand. A rebuke means to chew something out. That's what it means. Look it up. I'm giving you the correct definition, the, Bi- the Bible definition. So Jesus basically walks to the bow of the boat and chews the wind out. But he speaks peace to the sea. Now here's the, here's the illustration. Here's the practical application. Sometimes in your life, for you to have personal peace, you're going to have to rebuke some things. You say, preacher, you're preaching on being a peacemaker. Hey, it's okay to rebuke. It's okay to reprimand some things. It's okay to scold some things in your life. Amen. What's causing Is sin causing trouble in your heart? Rebuke it. Hey, is worry causing trouble in your heart? Is it stirring up the sea of your heart? Rebuke it. Is anxiety, you're worried about this and anxious over that? Rebuke it, praise God. Listen, I'm going to go one step further. Sometimes there are people in your life, in order for you to have personal peace, you're going to have to rebuke them. It's exactly what Jesus is doing here. He rebukes the sea, which in turn speaks peace, or he rebukes the winds, which in turn brings peace to the sea. Calmness in your life. I'm talking about calmness and peace in the situation. Remember, I said this, the devil wants you so caught up in the situation that you forget who the Prince of Peace is. You forget where the source of tranquility is. We're talking about finding the source of contention. I'm going to give you the bottom line right here. I've been preaching on peace, but you can't preach on peace without preaching on contention, which is the opposite. The Bible says this. Only by pride, Proverbs 13.10, only by pride cometh contention, but with the well-advised is wisdom. If you ever see contention or conflict, it's caused by pride. Most of the time, it's caused by pride in both individuals. A lot of times, I understand, it's just caused by pride in one. So if you're going to understand how to be a peacemaker, the source of that contention is going to be pride, and you're going to have to target that pride and to be a peacemaker. Somebody say amen. I don't have that be a whole other message in itself. Pride comes contention. The root of every conflict is pride. Problems between mates, problems on a job, problems in society, problems between nations, wars between nations. If you study the wars of history, they are caused by the pride of the governments. Not because the people got stirred up. Only by pride cometh contention. Pride ruptures relationships. Pride tears apart families. Pride gets in the way of peace. Pride will bring war. Pride separates nation. Pride nurses a grudge. Pride won't forgive. Listen, the peacemaker does not want the animosity to remain. The true peacemaker says, let's get rid of that animosity. If I have to swallow my pride, Say, I'm sorry. Amen, preacher. Blessed are the peacemakers. Some of the best friends you could possibly ever have is someone that you could go to and say, I'm sorry. And if you can reconcile that situation, 
there can be a deeper understanding between friends. Amen. Thank you. Only by pride cometh contention. You know why, listen to me. You know why Jesus Christ had to be humiliated? Now you think about this. I've been thinking about this this week. I don't know how to handle this publicly, but it's true. Jesus Christ was nailed to the cross publicly naked. I'm going to tell you something. Beat me, shoot me, cut my guts out with a sword. But that public nakedness just, well, that just tears me all to pieces. Amen. Have you ever had a dream? I dreamed I came to church in my underwear one time. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. Yeah, some, that, that, listen, that was a nightmare for y'all too, amen. I, what a, I mean, public nakedness. I, I, can you imagine being hung on a cross, lifted up, and people humiliating you and saying all kinds of comments at, Heavenly day. What's the point, preacher? The point is this, that Jesus had to humble himself to make peace. And if he's willing to go that far, embarrassment and shame, to swallow his pride and who he was, to bring peace to me, my goodness, what an example. I can't even dive to the bottom of that. The Bible says he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore, God hath also highly exalted him and given him a name that is above every name. That's why his name is high. He's the peacemaker. Y'all love my illustrations for some reason. I'm going to close with this illustration. And this is not going to be the hornet hustle this week, but it will be a bee illustration. I, I do keep bees. I do keep honeybees. And uh, I can go and I can, I can take my honeybee hive completely apart, pull the bees out, pull the frames out, run my fingers through the bees, and those honeybees will never even offer to sting me. And I could put all those frames back in and put the hive back together, and they'll never even buzz me. Now, I do wear protective equipment, but they never even offer to bother me. But now, if I walk up to a hornet's nest or a yellow jacket's nest, I can't do that in any situation. And here's why. I didn't realize this until a couple of weeks ago because I was reading up on bees, and I thought, this is just like people. A honeybee has the ability... To, to discern a person who means good and a person who means evil. They have that ability. And if that honeybee and that queen and those, those guards, sentries, they discern that you're taking that hive apart for good reasons, they won't bother you. Isn't that wild? Now, on the other hand, a yellow jacket, which is a hornet, they perceive everybody as an enemy. 
They perceive, hey, if you get around their nest, if you make a little bit of vibrations, you're going to be doing the horned hustle. <laughs> you know why? They perceive you as an enemy. They don't have that ability like a honeybee does. Now y'all know where I'm going. I know people who have lived their lives thinking that everybody was their enemy. They were troublemakers. They were drama creators. They were conflict people. They were afraid you were out for their money. They were afraid you were out to take their, get their wife. They were, I mean, they're just afraid. Everybody's their enemy. Can I say this? You know what Jesus is saying here? In a world of hornets, be a honeybee. Not everybody's your enemy. Not everybody means you wrong. Not everybody. Hey, be a honeybee. In a world filled with hate, show forth the love of Christ. In a world full of bitterness, make a little honey. It's sweet, praise God. Amen, preacher. Boy, let me say that again. In a world filled with hate, show a little love. In a world filled with bitterness, make a little honey. In a world filled with contention, make a little peace. You'll be blessed. You'll be happy. You say, preacher, this is a dog-eat-dog world. Well, the Lord said he'd take care of you. You don't have to act like a dog for God to take care of you. You don't have to have the, the attitude of a hornet for God to take care of you. Somebody say amen. amen. Hey, he said, I'll go with you, not just through your earthly troubles. I'll go through you with you when the world is going through the awfulest stage it's ever been seen. I'll still be with you. Amen. I don't have to behave like that. You know why? I have faith in what he said he'd do. Amen. I can make peace. Why should I be part? And I'm going to close the message. Time to, oh, it's time to close. Why should I be part of a world filled with hatred, emulence, variance, jealousy, conflict, contention? Why should I involve myself in all of that when God has given me peace and called me to create it? Amen. And promised me the beatitudes that I would be happy if I could be that person. I'm going to leave that right where it's at. Let's bow. Father, we're grateful for the day. Thank you for your blessings. Thank you for this message. I pray, Lord, that you'd, you'd let this message hit home in the pulpit first before it hits the pews. And then, Lord, I pray it would work from the pulpit to the pews. But I pray, Lord, this morning that we'd take it to the porch and out in this community. Help us to be what you've created us to be. In Jesus' name, amen.